0: Is repentance necessary for salvation? Thanks for hanging out with me today. I'm Eric Hovind with Creation Today. And our question is, is repentance necessary for salvation? I wanted to bring on a guest. He's a friend of mine and actually I watched one of his sermons years ago now. And it's through that sermon that I accepted Christ and repented of my sin and trusted in Christ as my Savior. Uh, It's through a message called Hell's Best Kept Secret, my guest today. Is Ray Comfort? Ray, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Pleasure, good to see you. All right, so this is a big topic in the church today, uh, in even in the non-church circles, people are kind of wondering where do Christians stand on this whole idea of is repentance necessary for salvation? Uh, I wanna, I wanted to come straight to you. I, I got saved through Hell's best kept secret realizing that I had been sorry to my family and my mom and dad and my pastor and my my principal at school, but I had never really repented before God. And it was during your sermon, Hell's Best Kept Secret, that I actually realized, wow, I've never truly repented, seen my sin as against God. And so I thought, you know what? I know that that's my salvation experience. That's my testimony. I wanted to talk to you, the man who delivered that message and has been delivering that message for years, Can you help us unpack, is repentance necessary for salvation? Well, firstly, salvation is by grace through faith, and not
1: of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. Salvation is of the Lord, has nothing to do with you and I. In the same sense that Lazarus didn't have anything to do with being raised from the dead. He responded to the voice of the Son of God. He could have laid there as a corpse, a living corpse, the rest of his life if he wanted, but he got up and he got out of that filthy uh, sepulchre. Stinky sepulcher, as the to say. Um, there are those who say, All you have to do is believe, that's all you have to do. That's what the Bible says. That is works salvation. Remember, by grace are you saved through faith, not by faith. It's not by believing you're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. That's the medium with which we receive the grace of God. And the way to receive the grace of God is through repentance and faith in that order. You get these people who say, all you got to do is believe and you repent later on. No, you're not saved until you repent. Scripture makes that very clear. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 1, verse 15, time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. It's always that order. Repent and believe. Those who don't see the necessity to repent usually have no knowledge of sin. The modern so-called convert that doesn't understand sin is exceedingly sinful. And I say to people that I witness to, when I mention repentance, that two things you have to do to be saved because Paul said he preached repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 20. I say repentance is an old-fashioned word that means to confess and forsake your sins. Because you don't want to be a hypocrite and say, I believe, but I still fornicate, blaspheme, watch pornography, lie, and steal. Now, that's hypocrisy. It's deceiving yourself. It doesn't deceive God. and won't even deceive your friends. If you want to be a genuine Christian, you must let go of those sins because those sins have cut you off from God. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear Your sins are made a separation between you and your God. So when we come to Christ, we repent. Our sins are washed away. We trust in Jesus and partake of the grace of God, which brings salvation.
0: Now in America today and in the church today, uh, one of the the points of Hell's Best Kept Secret was we've got a lot of people claiming belief, yet there doesn't seem to be any difference. And uh, recently, uh, something came out in the news of Joshua Harris, the one who uh, claimed Christianity for years, was a pastor, wrote a best-selling book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, on the moral standards in the Bible. And now Joshua Harris, the same author, is saying, I'm rejecting Christianity. How does this tie into, okay, was there real repentance? Was, uh, how does this tie into this, uh, to this truth of salvation to repent and to believe? He's saying, I kiss salvation goodbye, but I don't think he was truly saved, and I think we
1: should rejoice for people like Joshua Harris and for those that sit under them. Number one, we should rejoice for them because they're self-deceiving, a false convert deceives himself. He plays the hypocrite, and so for him to have an awakening that he's not truly saved is good. He should leave the pulpit because he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a nice guy. He says nice things. He's wearing sheep's clothing. We love him. But if he isn't preaching the truth, he's a wolf and he's deceiving those that listen to him. So it's good news when people like this are exposed for their own salvation and for the salvation of those that sit under him. You know, there's a dearth of understanding of true and false conversion. Jesus spoke of it often, especially in the parable of the sower. We spoke of the stony ground hero, the thorny ground hero, the wayside hero. And the other hero, whatever it is, yes, you get old, you tend to forget some different things. But, you know, he spoke of the wolves, uh, he spoke of the, uh, the uh, fish, uh, the good fish and the bad fish, the wolves among the sheep, or the goats among the sheep, the true and false conversion. And when you understand there's such a thing as true and false conversion that sit alongside each other within the church, within God's people, then you understand why there's so much hypocrisy, why must, uh, so much false doctrine because these aren't going to be sorted out until judgment day. When judgment day comes, then God will separate the sheep from the goats, the foolish virgins from the wise virgins. And we'll see those that are genuine in their faith. And so once again, we should rejoice for Joshua. At least he knows where he stands. At least people know where he stands. And he's no longer going to deceive himself or those that sit under him.
0: In the church today, we see a lot of people that we call hypocrites and The secularists, the the skeptics are looking at hypocrites saying, see, there's no such thing as real salvation, when in reality, they're seeing the truth of true and false conversion. That's really what they're observing. Yeah, it gives
1: opportunity for the enemies of God to blaspheme when someone plays the hypocrite. Of course, a, a lot unlike Joshua and leave the church openly, they stay within the church because it's a good deal, you know, good money fame, fortune, all these prosperity preachers that, you know, one thing I notice about prosperity preachers is they stay with the same message. I've been in the in the U S for about 30 years and they're still preaching the same thing. It's not, <laughs> it's not what they say that bothers me. It's what they don't say. They never meet, mention sin, righteousness, or judgment. They don't talk about hell. It's all have faith and get what God has offered. Breakthrough coming to you. You know, it's just crazy. It's just a, the same repetitive uh, self-deceiving message.
0: Wow. Well, this is certainly a truth that needs to be presented out there, the truth of repentance and the truth of trusting in Christ, believing in Christ for your salvation. You often give the analogy of the parachute, uh, and I thought, could you tie that analogy in, uh, the analogy of the parachute, into uh, the idea of repentance for us?
1: Yeah, and I can do it because of something happened day before yesterday, I was, out, I was out on my bike with my dog, and uh, I saw a guy walking along. He's about six foot three, a big guy. So I went up to him. I said, do you want to do an, uh, an interview on YouTube? He says, what's it about? I said, do you think there's an afterlife? He said, yeah, I do. I said, are you a Christian? He says, yeah. I said, you're born again? He says, yeah. I said, something wrong there. He says, yeah, I'm not reading the word. Turns out he hasn't read the word for a number of years. So he came on camera, and I said, so what's the problem? you know, why did you make a profession of faith? And he said to me this, and I'm not kidding. He said, you may have heard the story about two men sitting on a plane. <laughs> it made me laugh. He went for about three or four minutes giving the analogy, and he did a pretty good job. So let me give the quick analogy. Two men on a plane, uh, one was given a parachute told to put it on as it would improve his flight. So he puts it on, thinking it's going to improve the flight. And things are going well for a while until a flight attendant comes along and trips, and slops boiling hot coffee all over all over his lap. So he rips the parachute off and says, "A stupid parachute! I was told it to would improve the flight." Second man is given a parachute, but when he puts it on, he's told it's going to save him from the jump to come, 10,000 feet. So he puts it on for a completely different motive. He puts it on for the jump to come. So when the flight attendant drops hot coffee on him or whatever. He doesn't rip the parachute off, why should? He didn't put it on for a better flight, he put it on to save him from the jump to come. If anything, the hot coffee incident causes him to cling tighter to the parachute and even look forward to the jump. Man, I haven't shared this for years. (laughs) It's 930 times I thought I'd give up, I've, I've done it enough. But there's the two motives for coming to Christ. People make a profession of faith under the sound of the modern gospel. Give your heart to Jesus. You've got a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. He'll give you peace, joy, love, fulfillment, supply your needs, heal your marriage, help your alcohol problem, help your drug problem. So they come to Jesus to have things fixed up for life improvement. And when instead they get tribulation, temptation, and persecution, when they're hated for his namesake, the flight gets bumpy, they backslide. They take off the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, they're not even saved. They haven't, slid for- they haven't backslid because they haven't slid forward in the first place. There's no repentance, and that's the key. The Bible says godly sorrow works repentance. You know, there's an analogy I give about a little kid who would uh, touch a vase. His father told him not to touch. He says, son, don't touch that vase. It's in that case for a reason. He says, okay, I won't touch the vase. The next day, the kid looks at the vase. He says, I saw one in the supermarket for $5. It's just a cheap old vase. What's dad lying to me for? So he opens the cabinet looking at it and he hears his father come up the drive so he goes to put it back in and he smashes it into a thousand pieces that hit the top of the, the cabinet so he went to put it in and he looks at it and he thinks man well it's only worth five dollars i can easily fix things up with well, the one i saw in the supermarket i'll just buy another one dad comes in and he says what did you do touching that vase i told you not to touch it kid says it's okay i need another one from the supermarket supermarket with five dollars it's all they're worth the, son says, the father says, son, that's no cheap vase. It's an antique. It was worth $25,000. Suddenly the seriousness of what the kid had done hit him. Tears welled in his eyes and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the dad says, son, it's going to cost everything I've got, but I'm going to pay for a new one myself. And there's a type of the gospel and the false convert. He says, sin isn't serious. Who cares? Everyone lies and steals. Nothing wrong with lust. It's just in my heart. You know, I let God's name slip here and there. He thinks sin isn't exceedingly sinful. Well, how can we see how serious sin is? Look to the extreme, the lengthy expense the father went to to fix things up. We broke the law. The way to get things fixed up, to make things right with God, was the suffering death of the son of God. Look to his battered and bruised body. Hear his cry of anguish. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As a soul was made an offering for sin. And when you see that, and you realize sin is exceedingly sinful, it'll bring tears to your heart. That's the way of genuine repentance. Godly sorrow works repentance. And when someone doesn't understand the exceeding sinfulness of sin, which comes by the moral law, the Ten Commandments, he won't have godly sorrow, he won't have repentance, he won't say it's necessary for salvation, All he says is just got to believe, just got to believe. And he's a stranger to repentance. And what will happen on the day of judgment, he'll hear the words of Jesus. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. No regard to the divine law. I'm a Christian. I believe, but I still lie, just little lies, steal little things, let God's name slip. Oh, no, you're a lying thief and a blasphemer in God's eyes. And on that day, you'll see sinners being exceedingly sinful. So it's vital that every sinner looks at that moral law understands that sin is so serious it demands the death sentence, finds a place of godly sorrow, works, works, genuine repentance unto salvation. And that's the way we should preach it.
0: Now, the Bible does say to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. Uh, If you haven't done that, let me encourage you to do that. Ray, you're making a great point here that True repentance, true faith brings about the works. The works don't bring about the faith. And that really is the right order. So just in, in a simple term, is repentance a work or is it a change of mind? Just Real quick here, what's the easiest way to... Because some people are saying repentance is a work and that's why it's not necessary necessary for salvation. I love your analogy. Well, then belief would be a work if that were the case. So is repentance, is it a work?
1: No, it's, it's not a work. You're right. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work for your salvation. There are certain things that accompany salvation. The Bible says you'll be known by your fruits. You can't say you're a Christian if there's no fruit. That's what it means. Examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. It doesn't mean look at your decision card or what church you go to or how big your Bible is. The way to examine yourself is to look for fruit, the fruit of praise, the fruit of thanksgiving, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, faith, and temperance. You know, these guys that say all you have to do is believe. I find they are lacking integrity. They do things that are so wrong. There's one video up where they took myself and somebody else and pitted us against each other and made out that I was being rebuked by this minister when I wasn't. It was an absolute lie, and it's had hundreds of thousands of views, and it's been done by people who think it's okay to lie and believe in Jesus. That's signs of a false conversion. Those people need to examine themselves and see if they're in the faith. Not only that, those that show up on my YouTube channel and in the comments section say you're a false prophet, they are so abusive, so lacking in humility, so lacking in the wisdom that's from above and gentle and peaceable, bearing the fruits of righteousness, they've got the signs of a false conversion. And for us, our churches are filled with false conversions because of the fact we preach a lawless gospel that's reaped lawless converts, false converts that remain within the body of Christ until they're sorted out on the day of judgment.
0: Well, I'm glad that it is God that is the one who's going to be the final judge. Uh, And for everybody watching, please work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure and examine yourself and see that you are in the faith. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with a dad who was a minister and a mom who played the piano and the organ in church. And I became the product of the church environment rather than a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I beg you, examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. Ray, thank you for taking time with me to kind of help, uh, help people understand this. Is repentance necessary for salvation? Is it a work or is it something that God does to open your eyes and, and realize that, the, that repentance is the beginning? It's the starting point that brings about the work. That is incredibly, incredibly helpful. So thank you so much. Uh, I hear you have a, uh, a new season of Way of the Master coming out. Yes, it started as broadcast
1: on a number of different networks. It goes to 190 countries. It's our fifth season, and people can check out the schedule by going to wayofthemaster.com. It's no longer the Way of the Master. We dropped the the to save time, space, and ink, and <laughs> typing. And so it's just wayofthemaster.com. And our YouTube channel just passed 83 million views last night, so we're wow. so excited. So if you want to watch free videos of people getting witness to and Uh, Just check out the Living Waters YouTube channel. And, you know, there's there's another thing that you might like to add. These people who are so, um, so sure that you don't need to repent, and they say that we're false prophets because we use the phrase, turn from your sins, really need to
0: look at Scripture, because there's a whole stack of verses that speak of the necessity of turning from sin. I think they all come highlighted automatically in your Evidence Bible, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Great Bible. This is the one I use. <laughs> there are a number.
1: Thank you. This is from Ezekiel. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord: Repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Ezekiel fourteen six. Um, Ezekiel eighteen twenty one to twenty two. But if this wicked, but if the wicked turn not off from all of his sins that he has committed, repent and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Acts three nineteen. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.19, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Isaiah 55 verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So there are a stack of Bible verses that talk about turning away from your sins, not holding on to them, not playing the hypocrite, but separating yourself from sin and from this world.
0: This is a study that I encourage you to go dive into. You don't want to get this wrong dive in, search the scriptures, see that these things are so. Ray, thank you for taking time with us today. Really appreciate it. And thank you for the work you guys do for the kingdom of God. I just want to encourage people to go visit wayofthemaster.com. Ray, thank you. Thank you, Mary.